Blessed Sunday, mga kapatid. Thank you for joining us in our online worship. Hello sa mga kapatid sa Citygate Ministries and to all the regions of Lighthouse all over the Philippines. Thank you for joining us every first Sunday of the month. We pray that everyone is well and safe. Thank you that we have this technology that have us connected all day long, all week long. And even in the midst of this pandemic, we don't feel disconnected at all from each other. Now, I have a Twitter. I don't tweet much, but I am an eavesdropper. Stalker po ako ng maraming mga Twitter. And I chanced upon this tweet last May when Dr. Buzz Aldrin, one of the astronauts that stepped on the moon together with Neil Armstrong, he tweeted about the passing on of Annie Glenn. Annie Glenn was the wife of legendary astronaut John Glenn. So it rang a bell in my ears. Because I remember many years back, I was reading a book by Os Hillman. The book's title is The Upside of Adversity. A great book, by the way, for you to read, especially in these times of adversities. And in this book, Os Hillman was talking about John Glenn. That's where I got acquainted with the story of this spaceman. And so I got my book in my library and I got reacquainted with the story. And I realized in 1962, spaceman John Glenn was a very famous person. Why? Because he braved it. He volunteered to man a spacecraft which for the first time would encircle or orbit the whole planet not just for one time, but for three times in a span of about four hours. It was a great risk because at the time, hindi pa naman po perfect ang technology ng NASA. And during those times, the launches were marked by explosions midair or sometimes the spaceship would disintegrate in the middle of the space and they were called the floating coffins. John Glenn was brave enough to say, let me try it. And really, he did it. He orbited the whole planet for three times. But the greater problem was this. It was time for him to re-enter the atmosphere of the earth. What was the problem? The heat shield would have to be able to endure the air friction that would cause this flaming inferno that would encircle the capsule. If the heat shield would not hold up, John Glenn would be incinerated inside. Magiging barbecue po siya sa loob ng kanyang capsule. On the other side of the story, the control people inside NASA space station in Houston, they were panicking. You know why? Because their computers were blaring all those red warnings suggesting that there was something wrong with the heat shield. Their computers seemed to be suggesting that the heat shield would give in and give up. And when that happens, John Glenn would be a gunner. Patay kang bata ka. But this was unbeknownst to John Glenn. He just thought something was not right. But he now had to re-enter before his fuel would run out. And so he entered into what they now call the black hole. The black hole is that long five minutes when the capsule would be so engulfed by flame it would be so thick in its air friction that not even 
the most powerful radio signal would be able to enter and be able to communicate with this spaceman inside. Meaning, for the next five minutes, John Glenn would be all alone by himself. Would he come out alive? Would he die? Would he survive the ordeal? Would he be strong enough to sustain the heat that would be so surrounding him? Black holes are the much dreaded part of every space journey because at that time, the spaceman would just be so detached from the rest of the world. And I was thinking, ever since the quarantine was declared some almost six months ago by the president, the Philippines, nay, the whole world has been in such a black hole. We are now traversing and treading what we now call uncharted territories. When we now could not bank on anyone's expertise because everyone is new to this novel virus. Where before we could count on our big brothers, the United States, the bigger countries, the European countries, but they themselves are at a loss. Will we survive this? Will we be able to come out of this black hole intact as a nation? I was just invited by one company, and they're going to retrench more than 100 employees. And though the company is more than generous to give the necessary separation packages or retirement packages, the fear of the employees, it was palpable. How will we survive this, Pastor? What if money runs out and we are still in the pandemic? What if nobody gives us another chance? What if our skill set would not be acceptable in other industries? I've been talking to several parents for the last few weeks now. Some of them haven't been able to enroll their, their students. They are now in this self-imposed academic freeze, meaning out of school youth ang kanilang mga anak, at least for the next school year, until times become better, hopefully by 2021. Black holes are challenging times, my friends. And all of us, if you'll just admit it, all of us, we have had or maybe we are having our black hole experiences. When there is no communication from the outside, sometimes we feel like even our prayers that are being sent up to the heavenlies, parang tumatalbog lang sa kisami namin, Pastor. Parang hindi na kami naririnig ng Diyos. Yan ang hinaing ng isang ko just a few nights back. Are you in a black hole? What do you do in times like this? C.S. Lewis, a theologian, a pastor, a book writer, would say, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes, when we theologize about it, when we pontificate about the realities that surround us, we come to an agreement that maybe all of these are permitted somehow by the Lord, by His sovereignty. Because when we go through the black holes of lives, of our lives, when the pain is, is so unbearable, when we just feel distress in our shoulders, talagang gusto mo magpamasahe, bawal pa rin ang home massage ngayon, right? So the stress is even doubled, if not tripled, by this time. 
But we also know that when pain is at its utmost, it could be God's megaphone to rouse us, to enliven us, to focus on things that are eternal. It is God's way of shouting unto us so that once and for all, He really gets our attention. For September, the four Sundays, we're going to launch another sermon series. We have entitled it, Grace and Glory. Our living hope amidst fiery trials. If you'd like to benefit from this sermon series, read alongside with us for the next four Sundays, the epistle of 1 Peter, because we're going to exposit on the massive, beautiful counsel of the Lord from this epistle. How it is, how is it to have a living hope, as Peter would say, when we know and when we acknowledge we're just going through some fiery trials that we have never seen before. Grace and glory. Thank you, Miss Celine Lazari of our Lighthouse Media for designing this. She would say, Pastor, the flower or the rose represents grace because it is the gentleness of the Lord. That whenever we go through our fiery trials, it's like the Lord holding us by His powerful hand and telling us, we shall never be alone. It is the gentleness of God that leads us through, that helps us navigate through. But the sword is the victorious side of our faith. It is the glory side that, yes, problems may come. Dark nights of the soul may settle on us. But by the power and glory of God, we are going to come out of this victorious ready to declare and to testify about the glory and the majesty of God in all of this. Thomas Brooks, one um, theologian, would say, grace and glory differ very little. One is the seed, the other is the flower. Grace is glory militant. Glory is grace triumphant. When you go through life, it is the glory of the Lord that inspires you to believe that yes, nights can be long, days can be lonely, but the glory of God so surrounds you. As we talked about the glory of God that preceded and guarded the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt, it is the glory of God, the manifest presence of the Lord that makes us militant, that makes us trundle along that makes us brave on those dark nights. And at the end of the day, when the glory of the Lord is finally revealed, when the purposes of the Lord are finally revealed, then we realize it's the grace of the Lord that really made us victorious in all of this. I love this verse from Psalm 84 that would tell us that the Lord God is our sun and a shield because the Lord will give grace and glory to those that believe in Him. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. He's the Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Grace and glory. Ang dalawang magkalakip na mukha ng isang katotohanan. Nandyan ang kabagan ng Diyos, ang grasya ng Diyos, nandyan ang kaluwalhatian ng Diyos sa lahat ng ginagawa natin. If you will look back at your life, these two things, the grace and the glory of the Lord, have held you together. 
If there's one reason why we are still intact until this moment, it's because the grace of God has held us, the glory of God has surrounded us, and with these two realities, we know fiery trials may come, but the living hope of the Lord shall stand forever. That's why when John chapter 1 describes Jesus as the Word becoming flesh, it says, we beheld His glory. Look at that. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus represents the perfection of the deity. He is the visible manifestation of the Godhead. In Jesus, we see the glory of God. In Jesus, we experience the fullness of the grace and the truth of God. In today's installment, as we kick off this series, I've entitled this, Grace and Glory in Our Redemption. If there is one thing, a foundation, a secure foundation that will hold us in all these times, it is the grace and glory that has been given us, that have been given us in this work, the completed work of the Lord in our redemption as His people. If you have your Bibles, please open your Bibles now to the book of 1 Peter. We'll start with chapter 1, the very first verse. Read along with me, shall you? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Shall we pray? Father, speak unto us in ways only you can. Lord Jesus, help us discern you in all the fiery trials that we are going through. Holy Spirit, teach us, for you are the greatest teacher of all. Our hearts are ready. Our ears are listening. Our eyes are straining towards your great spiritual realities. Speak now, Lord. Your children are listening. And every home will sound in an amen. First Peter started by addressing the elect of the Lord who are now scattered and are now strangers in the different parts of the planet. That is the context when Peter was writing this epistle, mga kapatid. We have this thing called diaspora. I have spoken of this in many times. The Jewish people during the Babylonian time, they had a diaspora. But this time, there was another Jewish diaspora, largely not because of the Jewish religious people, but the Jewish people that turned into Christianity, the ones that converted into being disciples of Jesus. They now realized that when the honeymoon was over, whereas before the Roman authorities were just neglecting them, 
akala ng mga Romano that the Christians were just another sect of Judaism. But then they realized, no, this is a different breed of people. They pledge allegiance to this king whom they call Jesus as king of kings. They have a different set of values. They endure the pain. They have turned their back from even the traditions of their forefathers. They have denounced the gods that denounce the gods and the goddesses of the Romans. These Christians are a different group. And maybe one day, the Romans would think, maybe they would rise up and throw us out of power. And so persecution in Jerusalem started happening, coming from the Jewish priests, from the Roman authorities, and that began the spreading, the scattering of the saints from the different parts of the world, or to the different parts of the world, from Palestine, from Israel, all the way to Asia Minor, all the way to Europe. One most vicious leader that really led the crusade against the Christians at the time is this leader named Nero. Nero was such a cruel man, mga kapatid. Kaya merong software na CD burning software. Nero ang tawag sa software na yun. Why? Because it was to remember what Nero did to the Christians in the first century. He would crucify the Christians in the arena, burn them alive, feed the Christians to the lions. And there's even a historical account that Nero orchestrated the arson of most part of, of Rome and blamed that fire to the Christians. If only that he could justify his homicidal, maniacal, murderous pursuits against Christians. What do you do when the very state is against you? I'm going to talk about it next Sunday. How would Christians respond when a ruler is not even deserving of our prayers? When the government that is seated is not even deserving of our love and respect? What do we do? When extreme persecution is upon us, Nero would now lead the onslaught, the attack against Christianity, these ragtag bands of people, and they would burn them alive. But much to his, hindi niya maintindihan, sinusunog na nga, pinapakain na nga sa mga leon, pinaglalaroan na nga, tinanggalan na ng trabaho, tinanggalan na ng negosyo, tinalikuran ng kanyang pamilya, and yet these Christians would still say, we would rather die the most horrendous of death, but we would never forsake and turn our backs on Jesus. Peter was addressing the Christians of this time, the first century Christians. Christians who might have already catapulted to so much Discouragement. Alam natin yan bilang mga tao. Pag tinatamang tayo ng samutsari mga problemang hindi natin mawari, hindi natin may paliwanag. Para bagang lahat namang ginagawa mo, wala ka namang inape, wala ka namang inaway, wala ka namang inonsi, and yet, tides are just turning against you. What do you do? Especially so, kung magiging conditionalized to say, Talikuran mo lang yung Jesus Christ na yan at magiging mabuti muli ang buhay para sa'yo. I-denounce mo lang, i-recant mo lang yung profession of your faith. Just say, I repent of being a Christian and just go back to Judaism. Then all of these troubles, we can make it go away. Shall you do that? 
and Peter was writing to these Christians and he would tell them, by all means, kahit anong mangyari, wag kayong bibitaw. And the Christians seem to be answering, even if you don't remind us, Apostle Peter, the Lord Jesus is so real unto us. Kahit anong gawin nila sa amin, kamatayan lamang yan. Kristiyano kami. Oh, I pray, mga kapatid, that we would have this kind of valor, this kind of courage, this kind of certainty in our faith. That even though we are threatened by death itself, death already has lost its sting. Death no longer has the final say. As a matter of fact, you know that historians would now concur that Peter, the Apostle Peter, suffered the most ignominious of death. That he was crucified. And that historians would now recount that Peter only had one wish. That he would be crucified upside down because he's not worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus did. What makes these people hold on to their faith? Ano ba ang pinaninindigan nila? What is it? What was it that they had that we sure will profit in today's Christianity if we too can have? I remember this quote by Mary Boggs when she says, All the water in the world cannot drown you unless it gets inside. There's so much water. The waters that threaten to drown us because of hopelessness and discouragement. The waters of despondency and darkness. All of these are threatening to drown us. But Peter seemed to, bow, to be reminding the Christians. Basta hindi makapasok sa bangka ng buhay mo, kahit na gaano kalawak ang karagatan, hindi ka kayang lunurin ito. There's got to be something inside you that you have to be so certain of. That in these times of pandemic, mga kapatid, Yan ang tutungtungan natin. Yan ang babalikan natin. Yan ang panghahawakan natin. Matanggal na lang ang lahat. Makalimutan na lang ang lahat. But for as long as we remember the grace and the glory of God in His redemptive work in our lives, then we shall stand strong. Few points for today. The grace of being chosen and known. Tatayuan natin ito mga kapatid. Sa panahong nagkakagulo ang mundo, be reminded by the words of the Lord, by the words of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter. When he would say in our reading a while ago, we were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Ang isang bagay na makapagpapatibay sa atin in these times is to know nothing happens by accident. That from the onset of creation, the Lord already for new us. In Jeremiah, he would tell Jeremiah, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you. Mga kapatid, ano pa ba ang masigit na seguridad na pwede nating tungtungan? Kundi ang katotohanan, kahit magkabale-balentong ang buong mundo, magkagulo dahil sa COVID, mawalan ng trabaho, mawalan ng hanap buhay, but for as long as we know that God has chosen us, that God has foreknown us, and because of this, God's purposes in us and through us will never be thwarted by any pandemic. Na hindi tayo kayang patayin ng pandemic na ito, not unless ang kadahilanan ng Diyos sa ating pagkakahirang ay natupad na sa buhay natin. Peter was writing to these otherwise beleaguered disciples of the first century. 
And maybe as Peter was pondering of these words, chosen and foreknowledge, he remembers the time when he also experienced being chosen and being known by God. Peter was a businessman. Peter was in the fishing business. His brother Andrew had always been the spiritual guy in their family. Andrew would come home one day and he would say, you know, I am a believer and a follower of John the Baptist because John the Baptist is telling us that there's going to be the Messiah to be revealed one of these days. And Peter maybe would say, ah, oh, nice to hear, Andrew. Pagpatuli mo lang yan tol, but I have some business to take care of. And then one day, as Peter was just going about his business of being a fisherman, Andrew came rushing unto him. Tol, tol, or kuya, we have found the Messiah. And there was something in that voice of Andrew that he never heard before. And Peter must have stopped from whatever it was that he was doing. And maybe he said, who? The Messiah. His name is Jesus. And maybe the Holy Spirit already made his heart jump at that moment that Peter agreed to go along with Andrew. And in John 1, 40 to 42, the Bible records that when Peter got face to face with Jesus, as Andrew introduced him to Jesus, Jesus said, your name is Simon, but now you're going to be called Cephas or Peter. You're going to be the rock. And maybe Peter was astounded by this because he knew himself better than anyone else. And so he thought, me, a rock? But I don't even have an interest in spiritual things. But this man, this Messiah, this teacher they named Jesus is now telling me, giving me a fresh identity. Many years after, as Peter himself would go through the most extreme test of his faith. He remembers this moment. He remembers the time when out of, out of nothing, out of the business of his daily life, the Lord Jesus' voice came unto his heart. And he just knew that from that moment on, he was never going to be the same again. My friends, if you would like to be able to be sustained in these times when answers are too few and the Questions are too many. Remember the words of First Peter. Chosen and known by God. Because that's who you are in the eyes of the Lord. Hindi mo pa kilala si Lord, kilala ka na niya. Wala ka pang kamalayan, wala ka pang interes sa mga spiritual na bagay sa mundo. Pinagpaplanuhan ka na ng Diyos. At ang kanyang plano ay maganda, ang kanyang mga plano ay banal, ang kanyang plano ay para may experience mong buhay na tunay na buhay na siyang hinahanap ng iyong kaluluwa. That's the grace of God in COVID times like this. We are chosen and known. Another concept Peter would write in his epistle, don't be discouraged because you have been separated and commissioned by the Lord. And that's why he wrote, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by His blood. Big words. The Lord's now, the Apostle Peter would now tell 
the first century beleaguered Christians. Kahit anong gawin nila sa inyo, kahit anong mangyari sa buhay ninyo, kahit dapuan pa kayo ng kamatayan kung yan ang kalooban ng Diyos. But don't ever forget this. Inihiwalay ka na ng Diyos. That's what sanctification means. You have been set apart. You have been separated from the rest of the world. You have been made distinct by the very calling of God in your life. For what purpose? Because God is commissioning you. God is allowing you to partake of the bigger purposes of His kingdom. And though you might have your agenda in this life set already, ayos na mga plano mo sa buhay. Yung life plan mo, talagang ano na yan, detalyado na yan until the next 50 years of your life. But these COVID times have reminded you life could be so brief. Only what is done for Christ will truly matter. And maybe your question is, but Lord, can I obey you? Can I really say yes to you? It could be difficult, Lord. You know me, you know my temperament. Discarte ko palagi ang aking sinusunod. But Peter was writing, ganyan din ako. If Peter was just talking to us today, I was also a man of my own. Akala ko, madadala ko lahat sa tigas ng kalooban at tapang at lakas ng braso. But when I started hearing the voice of Jesus, I got reminded I've been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, I could obey the bidding of the Lord. And maybe Peter remembers that day that even if the Lord already renamed him, he still went back to fishing. But he remembers that one day as he was in the shores of Galilee, Jesus came. And by this time, the followers of Jesus were already increasing in number. And of all pulpit, of all platforms that Jesus would use a day, he used the boat of Peter. And in that moment, Peter realized, mukhang may sinasabi ang Diyos sa aking buhay. Inihihawalay siya ng Panginoon. And maybe Peter, that was the first preaching of Jesus that he ever heard. And something was happening in the heart of Peter, but something stood out. He has been separated. Inihiwalay na siya ng Diyos. And after that sermon of the Lord, he asked Peter, did you catch anything? And Peter said, no, zero. Siguro dahil uh, kabilugan ng buwan kagabi, kaya walang isdang kumakagat. And that was the time when Jesus in Luke 5, 1 to 9, would say, let's go to the deep. Throw your nets again. Try the other side. And Peter said, you know, I'm a seasoned fisherman. But because you said so, I will do that. And so he threw his net. And you know the rest of the story. There was such a huge catch of fish. Nahalos magkabali-bali na yung net ni Peter. Kaya tinawag niya ang kanyang kapatid. Si Andrew, ang mga barkada niya, si John, si James. And they now helped each other just to haul this overflowing catch of fish. And that was the time when Jesus looked at Peter in the eye. And Jesus said, from this moment on, I will make you a fisher of men. Oh, Peter did not forget that. So many years after the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus, Peter was now in his own struggles in life. He was in his own Gethsemane. He was being hunted by the soldiers of Rome. Peter would now tell himself and he would now tell all the other believers, 
you have been separated and commissioned. Ipagpatuloy nyo lang ang pinapagawa sa atin ng Diyos. Kilala ko ang Diyos na ating pinagsisilbihan. Another foundational truth that will sustain us in these moments are the truths that we are forgiven and established. Sa lahat ng nangyayari sa buhay natin, Peter would now pen in his epistle, in his great mercy, ganyan ang kawaan ng Diyos, yan ang pagkaawa ng Diyos sa ating lahat. The Lord has given us new birth, isang panibagong panimula, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The cornerstone of our faith is that we serve a living Savior. And I am a witness to that. But even before the resurrection of Jesus, I have been a partaker of His great mercies. Peter would now tell the people that were listening to his teachings and reading his epistles, I have been forgiven by God despite all the things that I have done that were not in accord to the greater plans of the Lord. The Lord has always been merciful unto me, given me a fresh start again and again. For as many times as I fell, ganun din karami ang ng Dios to pick me up from where I was and gave me a brand new beginning. And maybe Peter remembers that night he betrayed Jesus. That during the Last Supper, Peter was just telling Jesus, kahit anong mangyari, Lord, hindi kita iiwanan. And the Lord says, you know what? Before the, the, the cock crows for the third time, you will have denied me three times already. And you know the rest of the story. When Jesus is now being held captive by the soldiers of Caiaphas, the high priest, somebody said to Peter, Hey, di ba kasama mo yun? And Peter said, Oh, I don't know that man. Hindi, kasama mo eh. Hindi na! And for the third time, the woman said, Hey, parayo kayo ng accent, Aramaic. And Peter cursed this woman. He said, I do not know that man. And then, tik talawok. Kaya pag merong San Pedro, merong manok. Kaya San Pedro Laguna, isang malaking manok ang kanilang welcome sign. Just to remind us that Peter was that kind of man. Very impetuous. Galing magsalita. Always saying, Hindi kita iiwanan, Lord. But what happened? At the first sign of trouble, Peter denied the Lord three times. And the Lord died and the Lord resurrected. And Peter could not even come to the Lord Jesus. Even when the Lord Jesus would already appear to the disciples in that upper room, he would not go to Jesus. But then one morning after the resurrection, when, Jesus went, when Peter went back fishing from his boat, he could see there was a man on the boat. And it was a night na wala silang mahuling isda. And then this man, of course it was Jesus, shouted, Do you have any catch? And Peter said, Nada, zero, zilch. And Jesus said, Throw your net on the other side. And they caught again such tremendous amount of fish. The same miracle that captured the heart of Peter is the same miracle that now recaptured the heart of this backslidden disciple. And John 21 would tell us, Peter started running towards Jesus. And in this very famous breakfast time, 
When Jesus inihawan sila ng tilapia, that's what they call it, St. Peter's fish. When we were in Jerusalem, we went to a restaurant, and ang pinakamahal na isda was St. Peter's fish. Tilapia lang po yan, mga kapatid. And so, as Peter was eating the tilapia, Jesus asked Peter these same questions three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. And Jesus says, feed my lamb. Peter, do you really love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? And by this time, heard na si Peter na pangatlong pagkakataon na siyang tinatanong. And Jesus says, take care of my lamb. And this was the time when Peter knew that the forgiveness of the Lord is always available and ready to those whose hearts are broken before His presence. And Peter remembers this. And as he, as he writes this epistle to the beleaguered Christians in first century, yung pinapakain ng mga leon, he would say, no worries. You already have professed your sins before God. God already forgave you. God already established you. Whatever happens, wag kang bibigay. The grace of God will hold you through all these moments. And Peter remembers that when the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost, Peter, who was very much discouraged at the time, but now reestablished by the Lord, and better yet, infilled by the power of the Holy Spirit, preached his first sermon to the people in Jerusalem, and thousands of people came to the Lord that day. As Peter just delivered this anointed preaching, Convicting the very hearts of people that were listening. And Peter just knew it is not out of your own strength that you would be able to do certain things in life. On your own, try as you may, you will fall flat on your face. But Peter now knew, kung kakasihan ka at papasok sa yung kalooban at puso mo ang banal Espiritu ng Diyos sa kapangyarihan ng Holy Spirit, you can also do a lot of miraculous things as Peter experienced that day. And something happened to Peter. And something happened to the disciples of the time. All of a sudden, their consciousness changed. They were now heaven conscious and eternity focused. Their eyes were now just, were not just focused on the here and the now. The disciples could now inconvenience themselves. The disciples could now take the battery of all the trials and the tests. The disciples could now take the blows and roll with the punches in life because now they know as Peter would write, you have an inheritance that can never perish. An inheritance that can never spoil or fade. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter was now convincing those beleaguered Christians, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? Spear you to death? Force you to fight the battle-weary and the battle-seasoned gladiators? Of course, wala kayong kalaban-laban dyan. Bilang ka lang ng sampo, patay ka na. But you know what? Death should no, longer be, should no longer be feared. Why? Because our eyes are now conscious 
That when this life is over, when the pupils dilate, when this heart ceases, when these lungs collapse, there is inheritance. There is an inheritance prepared for you and me in heaven. It can never be spoiled. It can never be fade. It has been shielded by the very power of Jesus, served, saved, reserved for you and for me. I can sense that there is a sister right now watching this. And there's something happening in your body, kapatid. Something that threatens you physically. I don't know what the next few days will come unto you. What the next few days will present to you, kapatid. But God would like me to tell you right now, you have an inheritance in heaven that can never perish, that can never fade, that can never spoil. So do not be afraid, kapatid. I just felt like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you this. And Peter must be remembering the time when he, along with two other disciples, were privileged by the Lord Jesus Christ to be with them in that Mount of Transfiguration when they saw for themselves the very presence of Moses the very presence of Elijah, and they were transfigured right in front of them. And Peter was never the same again after this moment. You can find that account in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the transfiguration. Peter knew that this life is not all there is, mga kapatid. Yes, we can see these things all around us. You can see the, the, the walls in your room. You can see your clothes. You can see your wife. You can see your children. These are physical things, kapatid. But Peter would now come out of this transfiguration experience forever convinced that there is life beyond what we can see. That transfiguration could now bring back the dead, even in their glorified body. Moses was right there in front of him. Elijah, Old Testament characters were in front of them. Peter was never the same again. And he must be encouraging the people, as he was writing the first Peter epistle, you have an inheritance. Do not give up. Do not give in. Yes, mahirap ang COVID. Yes, mahirap ang buhay ngayon. But you know what? Live for something bigger than the now. Live for something bigger than the present moment. The glory of God will be revealed in your life. And Peter must have, must have remembered that last night in that upper room during the Last Supper when Jesus Christ himself would say, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And you know the rest of that passage in John 14. And Jesus would say, and I will be going ahead of you so that one day I will come back for you so that where I am, there you will be as well. The more that these words of Jesus were now resounding, were now resonating, were now echoing back and forth in the heart of Peter. There is something beyond what we see. There is an eternity of glory that awaits us. There is this mansion. There are these rooms inside our Father's house and we will never be away from Jesus ever again. And so, I am now cheering you on. Peter must have been writing. Peter must have been preaching. I am cheering you on. Sandali lang tong buhay neto. Do the best that you could. Do the best that you can. 
Give your life to Jesus now. Not tomorrow, not later, now. Because eternity awaits those that have placed their faith in Jesus. Again, C.S. Lewis would say, you aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, you get neither. Kung ang isipan natin ay para sa mundo lang to, we lose both heaven and earth. But if you're a heavenly-minded person, however difficult life might get in this part of eternity, you know that heaven is waiting for all of us. And the glory that is revealed is that now, in our present sufferings, we will have enduring hearts and faith-soaked eyes. Now we can embrace the imperfections of this life. Now we can go through the pains of these momentary troubles, as the Apostle Paul would say. Now we can be realistic as a people. Yes, there will be grief of all kinds that we will have to suffer, but we can still greatly rejoice, as Peter would say. Because all of these have come so that our faith that is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Ang ginto pwede pang malusaw, kahit mahirap. Pero yung pananampalatayang ibinibigay mo kay Lord, yung pananampalatayang ipinagkakatiwala mo kay Kristo, hindi kailanman may wawaglit sa'yo. Now you can go through life. You can endure. You can now persevere as a saint of God. You can now look at things in faith or through faith-soaked eyes, believing that the best is yet to come. Believing that God never wavers in His love for His people. Believing that God never abandons. God never forgets. God never forsakes. And Peter must have remembered that night when their boat was being rocked by this sudden squall, by this sudden storm. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared in the scene and Jesus was walking on water. And Peter said, Lord, if it is really you, Lord, bid me to come unto you. And Jesus said, come. And for the first time and the only time in human history, Peter was the only human being that walked on water. Maraming kumakastigo na siya ay lumubog din naman nung matakot siya sa mga alon at sa mga hagupit ng hangin. But don't ever forget the truth. Peter, for a good few seconds, he walked on water. But then when he started to doubt, when he started to fear, he started to sink. But Peter remembers, Jesus says, do not doubt. Do not fear. And Jesus' hand is always ready to be stretched to those that are willing to call on Him. Oh, kapatid, you feel like drowning, right? You feel like lahat na lang ng problema. Your husband is not supportive. Your children are not so sympathetic with your plight. But kapatid, the Lord is telling you, my hand is being reached out unto you. Hold on. Do not doubt. Have faith. These storms are just physical things. This pandemic, the virus is just a physical thing. But your faith in me will make you endure forever. And Peter must have remembered that morning when he ran to the tomb of Jesus, 
when Magdalene says, his body is gone, and I don't know where they put his body, John 20, verses 3 to 4. And Peter ran, and he saw for himself. The clothes were there, the covering linens were there, but Jesus Christ was not there. He knew his Savior was truly risen. That's the glory of God. And lastly, Peter would now remind us, therefore, have this life that is holiness-inspired and adopt a reverent life, reverent living as you now navigate through this life. Because just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You call on a father who judges each man's work impartially. Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. There goes that word again. Strangers. You're just passing through. You are not a permanent resident of this world. To that area of Asia Minor or Europe where you are now in diaspora, you are strangers. But more than that, the bigger picture is this. In this world where you live in, how many more years? Ilang years ka 30 years? 20 years? 50 years? 85 years? Still, you are a stranger in this world. And while you are still in this world, Peter would say, adopt holiness. Embrace holiness. Know that God is a holy God. And He demands no less from His people. And so, even if you are being maltreated, even if you are being given the short stick of, the short end of the stick, even if life is not fair for you, Peter would say, be holy because God is holy. And maybe Peter remembers that faithful first morning. Remember that story when they caught their huge catch of fish? What did Peter say? He knelt before Jesus and for the first time he said, depart from me, O Jesus, for I am a sinful man. Peter just knew that when you are in the presence of the Lord, it magnifies the sinfulness in your soul. When you are in the very holy presence of God, it, it just brings out altogether, all the more, yung imperfections sating bilang mga tao, and that is for our good. Whenever we stand in the holy presence of the Lord, we have to live our lives with reverent fear that we don't take God for granted. That we know God is holy and His command for His people is that without holiness, nobody can stand in my presence. And so, now that you are being subjected to these pains in this life, whether nature caused it, maybe some people caused it for you, maybe a trusted friend caused it heartbreak for you, you still have a choice. Live such holy lives for the God whom you serve is holy. My friends, how does this speak to you? Because right now, I am very much convinced the redemption that God has given us truly has showcased both His grace and His glory. Now we know we are chosen and known. Now we know we have been separated and commissioned, forgiven and established. These are the graces of the Lord that despite our sinfulness, pinili kanya, 
inihiwalay kanya, pinatawad kanya. But the grace of God is also completed by the glory of the Lord. Now we are heaven conscious. Now we know that our life on earth is temporary. Now we can endure and we can persevere through this life through faith-soaked visions. And now we know that we can be holy for our God deserves no less. These things and more in the coming Sundays are just manifestations of the grace and glory of God amid the fiery trials that we are going through. And so, black holes are real. Five minutes, the people in NASA were now sitting on the edge of their chairs. Would spaceman John Glenn survive this? Will he come out of this? Would he come out of this alive? Five minutes, the longest five minutes of their lives. What if he doesn't make it? What will we tell? What would we tell his family? What would we tell his wife? Five minutes of silence, eerie silence. And then on the sixth minute, all of a sudden, the radio crackled. Houston, this is Friendship 7. Oh, the voice of John Glenn. He survived the black hole. The feared collapse of the heat shield was an unfounded fear after all. It was just a glitch in their computer in NASA, but the capsule was intact and integrity was never compromised. And John Glenn would say, preparing now for my touchdown in the Atlantic Ocean. And a few hours after, he was extricated from that capsule, and so Life magazine featured him again. Even John F. Kennedy visibly or physically touched that capsule that survived the black hole. That was 1962. This was in 1998, when at age 77, now a senator, now a well-recognized public official in the United States, John Glenn made another history when he became the oldest man to have orbited the planet 174 times as he was on space for nine long days. And this time, no more glitches. They took off pleasantly. They landed back in Florida, Cape Canaveral, pleasantly. And now history is forever altered because of the testimony of this man that survived the black hole. God is telling you, you will survive this black hole. God is telling you, my friend, the black holes are not forever. It may be a silent moment. It may be a time of seeming absence of God. It may be a time of disorientation. But God is nearest to you when the night is darkest. C.S. Lewis would say, God who foresaw your tribulation has especially armed you to go through it not without pain, but without stain. A painless life is never promised. But God, because of His grace and glory, will allow us to walk through all these fiery trials. 
still unblemished, still full, still whole, because the one that holds us together is not our own strength. The one that keeps us together is not our own power. It is the grace and glory of God.